0: Energy is the lifeblood of everything that we do. We need to get as more people involved in helping us create energy, creating the future of energy. More people have to be involved in that, not just one segment of the population.
1: Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. With everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders, With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap. Through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority led, women led, LGBT led, and veteran led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H I R E G R O U N D.io. Now on to the episode.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. You're joined again by your two favorite hosts. I'm Adam Moore here with Chloe Goodry-Reed, and today we're joined by Johnny Howes, Vice President of Supply Chain Management at Southern Company. Johnny commands responsibility for Southern Company gas and other operational functions such as fossil fuels and nuclear generation and power delivery. He is a digital enthusiast aiming to improve all aspects of operations to ensure organizations thrive for years to come. Welcome to the show, Johnny. It's so good to have you on with
0: us today. Great. Thank you guys for having me.
1: Absolutely. We are so, so, so excited to have you. So excited. Yes. So tell us a little bit about you and your role at Southern Company. Well, and for all of our listeners, you know who are across the globe, tell us a little bit about Southern Company. I know that we're in Atlanta, and we all know what Southern Company does. But oh, yeah. tell us first, what does Southern Company do, and what do they provide?
0: So Southern Company is a large investor-owned utility. Uh, we have electric assets in the electric space, as well as we own a gas company with several local distribution companies. We're headquartered here in Atlanta, uh, but primarily we're known for owning Alabama Power, Georgia Power, and Mississippi Power. We have a wholesale arm for wholesale generation across the Mm -hmm. country uh, called Southern Power. And when I think about our gas company, uh, Southern Company Gas, there are several local distribution companies, or we refer to them as LDCs. Uh, Those are places like NICOR Gas, which is in Naperville, Illinois, mm-hmm. right outside of Chicago, but also Atlanta Gas Light here in Atlanta, Chattanooga. Uh, we have a gas company, Virginia Natural Gas uh, up in Virginia Beach, that area. Uh, but our main purpose is to make communities better off because we're there, we provide great electric service and gas service to, to all of our customers. And pretty much I, I tell folks that our purpose is to make sure that our customers' lives are better, I mean, even you guys, your lives are better because you have energy in your homes. That Southern Company really in a nutshell without going into facts and, and figures, that kind of thing. Uh, I guess me and myself, you originally asked, Chloe, uh, supply chain operations uh, is, is where I kind of live and, and breathe every day. So I spend a lot of time ensuring that we get all the goods and services and labor, uh, whether it's our nuclear plants or serving our gas company uh fossil and hydro. So we still own a very few coal plants. Uh we're actually exiting the coal plant business and as we work on our carbon footprint. Uh, but also too, when you think about the wires that go to your home and power you up. Let's uh, just, just say I spent a lot of time buying transformers, spent a lot of time working with the team, working on conductor and wire, things like that. Uh, everything it takes to bring services uh, to you guys. So uh, when I think about purpose, you know, I always ask my employees and teammates and other folks, what's our purpose for doing the things that we do every day? And it's really about making sure that we can survive uh, and live the kind of lives that we want to live. So that's what it's all about for us. I that love great. that mm-hmm.
1: so as a as a power company, I know that carbon footprint is probably a much larger focus as you think about the future. Can you talk about a little bit about how you think about it and how Southern Company thinks about it as as they start planning for the next few years?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, We are like other utilities, other energy companies uh, around the United States. We've committed to some very bold, aggressive goals of reducing our carbon footprint by 2050. We actually call it our net zero plan by 2050. It involves nuclear generation, which we are big believers in nuclear generation. So, if you read the press, uh, you see where we are building the first new nuclear units in the United States in over 30 years up oh, at wow. a site outside of Augusta, Georgia. The title of this project is Plant Vogel. And so, we already had two units up there, two generating units. But for the last uh, few years, we've had units three and four under construction. Uh, to ensure that we provide Georgians and really our whole operating system with zero carbon energy uh, for the foreseeable future. So when we make these kind of decisions to build these kind of assets, these are 60 year deals. We don't think about how we're going to provide energy five years from now. This is a long term play for us. So uh, that's how we think about our energy future with uh, nuclear being a significant portion of it we have solar. Solar is going to be a big deal uh, as we try to apply utility scale solar across our service territories. We play in the wind space all across the country through our wholesale subsidiary Southern Power that I talked about earlier. But all of these are the inputs into what we believe the, the low to no, the zero net zero carbon future looks like going forward. Wow. wow.
2: That's, that is quite an aggressive strategy. That's awesome. So, when you kind of think about that strategy, help us, uh, w- or help some of our listeners also. What what are some technologies? What are some s- goods and services that you think you guys might need in the next two three years mm. uh, that our diverse uh, listeners should be listening to and 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 here and thinking about? Maybe that's something they should move into. Maybe that's something they need to start thinking about providing. Right. So one of the mm. things we try to do on the show is is help our small entrepreneurs kind of figure out where the next. Big thing is where the next need is going to be so that they're ready to help us corporates uh, meet some of these goals and 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 uh, responsibilities that we have to the public.
1: Yeah. Or spaces that you don't see a lot of diversifiers.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's the perspective I love to answer the question from. I think first and foremost, uh, for all the listeners and and viewers, got to realize this is an infrastructure business in which uh, we play in. And so when you think about infrastructure and compare that to what we see in manufacturing, we buy a lot of big stuff, Uh, cable, transformers, uh, all the different widgets and gadgets that go on the electric system, pumps, valves, motors uh, for our generating assets, other things like that, big in the technology space. So services may look like cyber services to help us understand the cyber challenges that we have coming. Yeah. I would tell you another biggie, and this probably is going to play a lot in the conversation that we're having today, when I think about the labor markets, and I'm one of those that follows the unemployment numbers in the country. It's amazing to me. Unemployment has come back down since the onset of this pandemic. Yes. But when I think about the labor and the workforce and the demographics for the people doing the construction projects that we have, mm-hmm. there's still the need to get more diversity in the labor pool space whether that mm-hmm. is in the union halls, whether that is other places where we're using labor to help us construct a lot of the things that we mm-hmm. do. When I think about areas of, of spend, uh, where we would love to see more folks uh, get involved, really, I think about the labor space. Mm-hmm. I think about distributorships to supply the things that we procure. Mm-hmm. Nuts, boats, things like that. And that's another whole segment I actually tell suppliers, if you really want to do business with us, you really got to understand this huge conglomerate and this technical infrastructure business that we run because it's always a way to find a niche in it uh, because it's just so big. It's just tough to narrow it down to two or three different things. Right. So we spend a, yeah, We spend a lot of time in the construction space. When you think about the grid, we have to spend a lot of time not only just designing it, and procuring everything, but we have to put it together. I've had the opportunity to be a part of a lot of construction projects when I was in my former role, which was being a plant manager for some of our coal plant sites. And it seemed that we always had construction going on and we procured things from all over the globe. So I love the way you opened this show, Chloe, because this is a global issue. I mean, we don't do a lot of manufacturing in the U.S. anymore. So we've been forced to to just try to find where things are made right so it gets back to supply chain risk gets back to what's being procured in China and, and, and over in that other part of the world yeah because we have to get a lot of that stuff here domestically to construct it to be able to serve our customers. Huge business, guys. It is a huge business. That
2: is a, yeah, I know. I think you just blew both Chloe and I's mind as we're trying to wrap our heads around what you just said.
1: Ooh, all these different layers. I mean, it seems like so many different, I mean, obviously the supply chain for a utility and power company, such as Southern Company, is extremely, extremely complex. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that that kind of leads into my next question when we think about, you know, our show is really all about educating people around how important supplier diversity is. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about companies like yours, how important is it that you make sure that all the suppliers and all the services and solutions that you're procuring, that you have a diverse supply base?
0: Well, we spent a lot of time in that space trying to make sure the base of suppliers is diverse, not just from an ethnicity standpoint, not just from uh, the standpoint of just across the globe and making sure we get all things we need. But we think about in terms of local communities as well. We try to spend a lot of time understanding with the goods and services that we need, how do we find suppliers to provide these things? So we have development programs inside of our company
2: Mm -hmm. where
0: we do matchmaking events. Mm. We do things like pairing suppliers up with others to be intentional about certain areas of spend. So for example, Uh, I was in a meeting this week where we were talking about uh, ash pond closures at our coal plants. Mm -hmm. And how do we get people from these local communities where these ash ponds are to be a part of these spin buckets that we have? How do we use the local trucking company to truck out some of the ash that we have to remove from the site? Or how do we get the local electrical company to be a part of that project? Because one thing is certain, and I've learned this through the years, I had the opportunity to be a part of a plant retirement and kind of get us set up and lead us through that effort. When we retire some of these plants, that means we're impacting the tax base to those communities. Of And course. how do you replace that tax base? Well, you got to do it right. with jobs. Yeah. And right. So that's what this whole notion, I think, of finding diverse suppliers in the local community Mm -hmm. which speaks to economic inclusion that's the essence of of it all
1: yes
2: right Right. yes right and we've often talked about on this show how we really need to start changing the conversation to how many diverse suppliers have we brought into how much money have we actually impacted diverse communities with by using diverse suppliers that's a i think it's not to say much more impactful conversation but you know to to keep using the same word but it is right it is i mean it's more intentional right exactly exactly
0: So when we make decisions as a company uh, to to say, for example, change over our fleet of plants, we Mm -hmm. make first of all, we make those decisions in the best interest of customers based on economics is the right thing to do. So that's X. That makes the solid decision of why we got to do it. Now that that decision is made, we think about the community. We do a broad span to say, okay, how do we do this the right way? How do Mm -hmm. we execute this decision the right way? So that's what drives a lot of these conversations we have about economic inclusion. I love Now, that. that's
2: great. Now, do you include that? So in your economic inclusion studies, do you include that in your uh, community, re- you know, either reinvestment stuff or your community responsibility reporting? Do you include those metrics in that as well too?
0: We're having those discussions starting that. I would tell you this whole phenomenon in ash ponds is, is fairly new. So this is challenging us as well to figure out how to do this the right way. And then I would even tell you one of the things we've learned over the last 18 months or so since George Floyd was killed was these economic disparities that really exist in America. And I think the pandemic has highlighted the fact that there's this wealth gap that still exists in America. When you peel the onion back, one of the things that you learn when you pay attention to small business is that there are not a lot of MBE businesses, not a lot of black businesses in, I would say, this industry, in this space. So that's why we're intentional about the programs that we have, that we're creating, to try to develop more businesses to operate in this space. Energy is the lifeblood of everything that we do. We need to get as more people involved in helping us create energy, creating the future of energy. More people have to be involved in that, not just one segment of the population. So again, as I think about economic inclusion, which I think is a better term for supplier diversity. Economic inclusion is one of those where you really have to think broadly about the big issue.
1: And you used one of Adam's favorite words, yes. intentionality I, in I the I love intentionality in this space. Yes.
0: yes. Thank you. A- absolutely.
1: And it seems like that that Southern is very intentional about the programming, about making Mm -hmm. sure that the communities and within your territories are thriving and that you're creating jobs, even when you're closing these plants. Like, how do we recreate some of these jobs? I mean, I just I just love that.
2: Absolutely. We saw that in the last economic downturn. Right. I mean, look at what happened to Detroit. We had that issue. Automakers pulled out of Detroit, like without even thinking twice about it and they're still trying to recover that economy. So I really appreciate hearing somebody like Southern say, hey, we're not going to duplicate that same model, right? We we have to pull out, shutting down a coal plant, I think is a, a good thing, right? I mean, if we look at it from an, a, a standpoint of, of impacting our, you know, our earth, uh, sure. that's great. But then just not just to say, well, hey, we're doing a great thing. We shut down a coal plant and then walk off, patting yourselves on the back. You sat there and go, You know, but there are people impacted by this. There's real jobs. There's real community around these coal plants and not just walking away and leaving a void. So I think that's very commendable.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, decisions have impacts and you can make one decision, which is absolutely the right decision. But if you don't spend enough time understanding how does that decision impact not just the community, but every stakeholder. Yeah. Then from that perspective, you you hadn't done your homework.
1: Right.
2: There it is. Yep.
1: Absolutely. And I think that speaks to just overall leadership in general, just being leaders in your space and being intentional about how you're leading the way. Um, in all these different areas.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more.
1: So how important do you think having good leadership skills and having good leaderships in general, good leadership in the organization is to a successful organization and more specifically, I guess, to to the supply chain?
0: Well, leadership is critical to any organization. There always has to be a strategy, a plan, a process for making decisions. Got to have the right engagement. Uh, So leadership is what drives all of that. When I think about leadership in the supply chain space, it is even more important because, as we've seen in the news and the media the last 18 months with COVID, supply chains are ravaged all around the globe, uh, all around the world. And so this is one of these situations where leadership, and leadership looks a lot of different ways, but leadership has to get involved and and step up to help plot a path.
1: You know, when we're
0: trying to figure out what the path forward is, someone has to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really it's everybody's mm-hmm. job, but somebody's got to drive it. So leadership is paramount in everything that's happening these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wholeheartedly mm-hmm. Completely agree.
2: Yeah.
1: So when you think about, um, just overall, just economic inclusion and how important that is, how do you think that that shapes, just overall decisions that, that Southern Company makes when, when sort of deciding you know, what this path is from a leadership perspective?
0: Well, again, this is a leadership issue. Economic inclusion is really at the top of it. I personally believe economic inclusion rises to the top of a lot of decisions that, that leaders make. When mm-hmm. we think about how to run our businesses, when we think about our supply base, one of the things that we have seen time and time again, not just at Southern, But we see this in a lot of places around our country. The more diverse the decision-making body is, the more factors you can get into the decision. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of my favorite questions to ask is, how do we make this decision? And when you ask that question, you have to think about all of the inputs and the attributes and really what kind of outcomes are you looking for? Mm -hmm. So when you think about it from, from those perspectives, leadership drives it. Economic inclusion has to be a part of it because, again, if your mission is making sure your communities are better off because you're there, if your mission is is growing your business, bringing in more customers, if we can create more small businesses, we call it the circle of life. More small businesses are going to make the meter spin. There's going to be more revenue. We're going to be able to invest in our business. We'll get healthy, uh, favorable outcomes from our regulators to help us continue that circle going. Mm-hmm. So all of this stuff is interrelated. It's all interrelated. You can't separate one from the other.
2: No, and I think that's what people are starting to realize more and more as we start looking at this, right? I mean, we call it an ecosystem, but I don't think anybody really yeah. stopped to think what that meant. But I think what you're calling the full circle of life speaks right to it, yes. right? You can't have, you know, not everybody can be large companies and not everybody can be small companies. It takes a, an equal balance of all of the above to keep that ecosystem going going i think that's very well said what a great illustration of that
0: yes well we need all of it we we need all Mm -hmm. of it everybody can't string the wire up somebody's got to make the wire right when you get back to the supplier and peel the onion back somebody's got to apply this widget to make the wire Uh, you got to get the raw materials from somewhere somebody's got to put it all together so none of this happens on its own none of it does It takes all of us, the power
1: of America. That's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that you've been intimately familiar with supplier diversity in general. So if we just Mm -hmm. kind of put, put Southern aside for a second, what are some of the things that you've seen just in the supplier diversity, economic inclusion space that you'd say, hmm, That's something that we need to think about and maybe readdress or think of some more creative ways to, to move the needle. I'm sure you have some ideas on that.
0: (laughs) There's always ideas, but I think the biggest one, and and this is personally for me, I'm on a mission to change the narrative around supplier diversity. Mm. That's why I call it economic inclusion, because in the past, what I've seen is when you just focus on supplier diversity, you're focused on just a number. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times when I put my old plant manager hat on, I would have suppliers walk up to me and say, hey, I can help you with your supply diversity, goal. I can help you meet your numbers. Mm-hmm. But is that really the essence of what we're trying to do when we right. think about making communities better off? Mm-hmm. Because of no, 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 that's not. Yeah, Economic inclusion makes this bigger. So we can reframe this whole uh, story if we can reframe this whole debate just around a bigger purpose yes. of making mm-hmm. the economy better, then we all win. So I think that's the first thing that we got to do in the supplier diversity space, which from now on, I will refer to it as the economic inclusion space. Yes, uh, to I, make the, I like it. I love it. Yeah. The, the second thing I think about, and, and I, I hear this one a lot, and I guess this is more a cultural thing mm-hmm. that I see. Uh, not just at Southern, but I would say this is just what I see in a lot of places that I, I get the opportunity to, to play in. You know, we, we, we start out, we're going to try a new supplier. Somebody says they're going to do it. We're going to try a new uh, MBE, new black supplier, new female business. And we like to give that person one job, say, let's try them out. Well, honestly, that's not going to move the needle. No. Just trying somebody out for one job.
1: Yeah. The second
0: thing I see in that story is I hear this story about uh, black businesses, MBEs, female businesses are more expensive. Mm-hmm. I want to dispel that myth right now. Thank you. If, if you apply or, or give one supplier one job to hang their hat on to to see if they can, you know, do the job or not, be around or not. A small business cannot spread their costs, their overheads, Mm -hmm. their back end costs over one job. Yeah. It doesn't happen. And I think that's what stifles a lot of uh, people in this space because if that one supplier doesn't work out, then we say it doesn't work out because they were too expensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because typically people can do the work if they sign Mm -hmm. up. Oh, yeah. The other thing is, yeah, the other thing is from a mentoring perspective, you can't just say, here's your job and then walk away and expect them to do it. We spend a lot of time onboarding suppliers so they understand how to do business with us, understand our work processes. Uh, all of those types of things need to be understood such that you can have a successful job. So I think we have to free frame how we approach suppliers and, and do business with smaller suppliers because they're not more expensive. and we can get to the point where we can say, source a book of work Mm -hmm. or commit to a slightly bigger scope. I'm not saying risk it up and and give a a big job. I mean, nobody wants to do that. But clearly you got to do more than one job. Clearly you have to. It's just like interviewing for a job. Most jobs have two or three interviews. Right. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with the supplier. But if we can Mm -hmm. book slightly larger scopes, uh, to some of these small businesses that we're talking about mm-hmm. then from there we can evaluate them better number yeah. two we can understand their cost structure better and then that leads to the outcome we want we've created a new business in this space that traditionally didn't exist right because yeah. we gave somebody a better chance yeah to right. be successful
2: so let me just ask a question so utility is a highly regulated industry right mm-hmm. whether it's gas power um and I've talked about this before. I come from the financial industry, right? So another heavily, heavily regulated sector. What are you guys seeing or how are you helping mitigate onboarding new suppliers, right? Because I know for us, it's like, oh, new supplier equals huge risk, right? And so that's a barrier of entry for us in the FI for anybody, whether you're diverse or non-diverse. But most specifically, it really does impact the businesses we can bring in from a diverse standpoint. How are you guys in your supply chain helping mitigate that? Or is that a challenge you're still overcoming as well?
0: Well, I think it's a challenge that we're all wrestling with. The way I look at it, there, there, there are two kinds of risk. Uh, there's contractual risk, and then there's execution risk. Yes, and I put, most definitely. And I put the on, that's right. So I put the onboarding in the contractual risk. All mm-hmm. oh, the I's got to be dotted, T's got to be crossed to be able to get to the point to where you can start work. You got to have a safety program, for example, documented. We know exactly how this is going to work. If you go through the process of all those types of things in an onboarding process, and then when it gets to the execution side of the equation, the execution risk, I'm an engineer by trade. You can de-risk any project. I firmly Mm -hmm. believe that. Mm -hmm. If you break it down into bite-sized chunks to Mm -hmm. understand this task has to be done, what's the risk of this task going off well, if it goes off well or not well, you Mm -hmm. can put a plan to de-risk that activity in place. And so I think if you approach that project from those two perspectives, Mm -hmm. contractual risk and execution risk, I think you find yourself in a situation being able to line item out, everything that's got to be done and really understand what risk really exists on the contract side and the execution side. Mm -hmm. So in our business, yeah, we have risk assessments that we do all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're having that conversation now around MBEs and black businesses and small businesses. As we know, we got to grow more businesses in this space If we can help those businesses de-risk their activities. Then there's a chance for for everybody to be successful. We get the outcomes we want. They get the outcomes the businesses want. All of this stuff will gel together we have a better output at the end.
1: So when you, so for all of our small businesses, diverse small businesses that are, are listening,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how can they sort of think about, you know, okay, I want to do business with Southern. What would be the first sort of thing? How do they build relationships and how do they sort of start to think about like, how do I get in this, this space? And how do I secure business with a big name, like, like Southern company, especially if they're you know, doing like small parts or, you right. know, but, they, but, but to your point, they can actually execute and they do what they do very, very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I think the first thing, and I tell this to any supplier, learn our business first, because you can't do everything. You have to identify your small niche inside of our business that you want to play in that space. Uh, some spaces are very competitive. I see a lot of times where a lot of suppliers want to play in the same space. yeah. And I always challenge them, go learn our whole business. Just because you do this don't mean you can only play in this space. There may be some other places that you hadn't thought of. Right. But as Southern company, we can't identify that because we may not know your business and what your real capabilities are. And the wrong thing for a supplier to do is to say, yeah, we can do that. And then we say, yeah, okay, we'll let you do it. And you hang up the phone, then you go figure it out. That is the absolutely wrong.
2: No, please don't.
0: Yeah. Don't don't do that. So I hope the viewers hear me say that. Don't do that. But if you're good at something, then you got to help us understand where you fit in our space. And with that, you got to build relationships, not with people like me, because I'm looking at the entire organization. One of the, the, misnomenclatures out there or, or things that people believe is absolutely not true i do not see everything that's awarded mm. <laughs> i do not know everything that's bit out yeah. so it's amazing right. how sometimes people come up to me and say hey i want to do this you guys got this award out here i've play in that space and nine times out of ten i don't even know about it and it makes me go do more homework uh if i think it's worth it because a lot of times i'm like that's not a good space to be in i wish you would Spend more time, learning our whole company, you figure out the better space. Uh, but I think that's the first thing, learn our business. And once you find your niche where you think you can contribute to our business and contribute to us serving customers, then I think that relationship is built with that decision maker. You mm-hmm. got to find that decision maker in not right. just our business, but any business where yeah. someone yeah. is trying to, to, to work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I, said, I don't make the decisions on, on on which widget to buy or which nut and bolt to buy. That's not my role, kind mm-hmm. of kind of deal. Yeah, it's, it's it's not. I'm looking at the ecosystem of suppliers trying to help us leverage the size of Southern Company to procure the goods and services that we need. I actually, procure them better than we were procuring them yesterday.
1: I think that that is something. If I had a dollar for every time <laughs> that someone on our show said, learn our business first right. before yes. you come to us. I think I'd, I'd probably be like at least, I'd at least have a hundred dollars now since we've only yes. had like a hundred episodes. Yes, so true. yes, it's That's literally true. every single episode, yes. every company, which, which, you know, begs the question, how many suppliers actually just come and like, here's what we do. And instead of just thinking about and coming and approaching things like, hey, I see you guys have this problem and want to kind of help you with, I think I particularly have this potential solution for it. I I just, I I wonder if suppliers are just kind of every single time, just trying to push, 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 push their, their solutions and their services on a lot of these larger companies.
0: You're right. I I see that a lot. Don't don't push it on me. I mean, I may not want you to do what you do. (laughs) I may have something already set up that's creating a tremendous amount of value already for Mm, our company. That's why I mean some of these spaces are extremely competitive. But if you learn our business, you'll find those opportunities where you really can help. And anybody on my team will listen to that. Yeah. If you say I want to help you in this space, and here's why you need help in that space. Anybody'll listen to that conversation.
2: Oh yeah. That's been my advice to my proteges since I started mentoring diverse businesses. Don't mm-hmm. don't come up, don't come up to a corporate and say, So, how can we help you? Well, if you don't know who I am, I don't know what you do, <laughs> I am the last person you need to ask. All right. That's exactly right. That's right.
0: exactly right.
1: Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So last question that I have for you, we've been talking a lot about development programs and you kind of touched upon this a little bit earlier around how Southern tries to work with suppliers to develop them, teaming them up with either other suppliers or people internally share, share with us, you know, what, what you guys are doing in terms of developing some of your small and diverse businesses.
0: No, absolutely. So, uh, I'll give you this great example of something that's kind of fairly new. You know, we acquired our gas company in the 2015, 2016 timeframe. They had a great supplier development program uh, at the gas company. Mm -hmm. We just this year combined it with the electric business that we have. Mm -hmm. And so when we did that, we wanted to be able to have one joint program where we could bring in suppliers and say, "Okay, let us teach you about Southern Company. Let us teach you about the electric business and the gas business and what this means. And so we've had a whole curriculum set up to teach people how to do business with us. And it's it's deep. It goes through the types of things we buy, how we make decisions, mm-hmm. give you some industry information. Ooh, gives you some history. Yeah, it gives you some history about our company. Uh, we even teach businesses about you know, how to write strategic plans how to uh, work on your finances and be a good uh, financial steward of your revenue. We go through all this stuff because we need these businesses to be stronger. We don't want any business to go through our development program, get a job, don't have all that other stuff in place and then they're not successful. So, Mm -hmm. so that's why we do that. Uh, Another example we have, uh, we have a program actually at NICOR gas called diverse business partnerships. So, The way I can describe this to you, you think about you've got a company that has the capability, maybe not has the experience in this industry or or in a, a certain part of the industry, but they've demonstrated they've got the skills. Well, we have a tiered approach in this diverse business partnership program. We call it DBP. And so, for example, if there are four tiers and you've got the capability, no experience, We'll bring you in at tier one and we call it partnering. Give you a Mm -hmm. shot to try something different, something new. And our hope is is to take someone from that tier one, build their capabilities, build relationships. They learn our company, learn how we work and progress them all the way to the top tier, for example, maybe tier four. Tier four is you've grown up. You can fly on your own. Mm -hmm. You can do it on any job. The relationship's built. We know you can do this work. And not only do the work with us, but you should be in a position to where you can go bid on this type of work at any other company or or business in this industry. So it's kind of a structured, tiered approach to grow Mm somebody. But by the same token, if we meet a company that we don't know, that we've never done business with before, but's got the experience and the references and they pass all the checks that we have, they can come in at a tier three. And a tier three may mean we're going to be intentional about giving you this work. So you learn the nuances of working on our system in the hopes of getting you to a tier four, such that down the road, we get more diverse businesses bidding on these contracts and these projects down the road. So it's just another way to be intentional about kind of what we're doing and how we're trying to achieve these economic inclusion outcomes that we desire. Wow,
2: That's amazing. Love that program.
1: I love it. It sounds like you guys are doing some incredible things, not just helping suppliers grow with Southern, but to your point, helping them grow with other businesses, particularly in the utility space or even outside of the utility space, Mm but just giving them that experience and that training and that development so that they feel confident when they go into and talk to some of these other brands.
0: Absolutely. Our supplier diversity team or our economic inclusion team, uh, They do a great job. Yeah. they do a they do a fantastic yeah. job. Yeah, they yeah. care. They're they're, they're very, they're they're very intentional. Yeah, they're yeah. very intentional about what they do.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. They it's a, it's a pleasure to work with them in this space. You know, uh, being uh, Atlanta based myself too, I I know them on a first name basis. Okay. I think so. No uh, d- yeah, being able to work with them is always a joy. So, and, and they bring a lot of uh, fire and passion and knowledge and know how too. So. It's a They're great thing. You business. guys, you guys, I, I'm saying you guys have got uh, firing on all cylinders for sure.
0: They're the yes. best in the industry. We get mm-hmm. calls all the time saying, how do you guys do this? Or Do you have any ideas? And they always respond. Uh, they do a great job for us.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Johnny. Johnny, it's
0: been great. Absolutely. My pleasure. Uh, it's been a pleasure to work with you guys. Good luck in your business as you guys move forward. And the last thing I'll say is keep helping people keep mm. helping businesses. Yes. That, that's, that's what this is about. If yeah. we all do this together, collectively, we, we can help America.
1: We yes. can do that.
2: I agreed. We could mm-hmm. not agree with you more.
1: We <laughs> could not. We could not. Well, be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn at Chloe Gingery and Adam Moore and Johnny Howes III. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcast and check out our previous shows and stay tuned for next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us and participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion. And supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H I R E ground.io. Thank you for being here, and we look forward to seeing you next week.